Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. The NFL draft is two hours away. And Kevin Cassis. Former Montana State wide receiver is interested in it very much. He'll be on the show, and we continue our conversation from yesterday. More sound on the uh, firing of Shannon Schwain and the hiring of Mike Petrino as the head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz basketball team. Hi, how are you? It is Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. It is outstanding to be with you on this very fine Thursday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. Thanks for being with us, spending some time with us on your radios, on your TVs. We appreciate you letting us be on board with you. We are uh, broadcasting also on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You go to your computer, your device, your phone, etc. I think you know how to access it at this point. You know, you don't even have to plug the thing in anymore. What a deal that is. Uh, you go to the stream, listen live in the Listen Live tab at the website. Stream brought to us all the time by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you'd like to pick up your phone and call, you can do that as well. 361-3688, the phone number, 361-3688, that phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Let's take a look at what we have today in the show. Coulter and I are going to start today just prepping a little bit for the NFL draft. We will have the NFL draft for you round one uh, in full. As soon as we are done with this show here, we're going to send you out to, well, the country, right? It's all over the place. There's no really host site for uh, the draft this year, so we will we – will, uh, have uh, the entire first round for you uh, in fact the entire draft will be here on espn radio so excited about that we've talked a lot which a lot of people have it's normal to do talk about the quarterbacks we're going to talk about some of the guys that intrigue us that are not the quarterbacks in particularly the first round or at least the high end of this draft and guys that we are uh, excited to take a look at so we'll get into that a little bit about a half an hour from now kevin cassis former wide receiver for the montana state bobcats and uh, he is a guy who is uh, certainly a, an nfl prospect who is looking to uh, get into the league and this is uh, obviously an exciting weekend for him uh, both in terms of
of the draft, however that goes, and then uh, perhaps free agency afterwards. And uh, tremendous again. I mean, the numbers that Kevin Kaz has put up in terms of his pro day and uh, and just what and who he developed himself into as a receiver and as an athlete especially at a place that you know didn't throw the ball a ton as we know uh pretty remarkable so we're excited to talk to him top of the hour we're going to get back into uh uh, some more of the sound that we didn't get to yesterday from uh kent haslam and mike petrino's press conference they had a zoom press conference yesterday uh kind of announcing uh mike petrino as the new hire and discussing you know all of the the saga that has included the last really month and a half 40 days uh dating back to the end of the lady grizz regular season with the non-renewal of shannon schwain and the subsequent uh a promotion of mike petrino and the rest of the staff so we will get into uh, that a little bit more at the top of the hour as well and getting into the draft a little bit further both in the state of montana and specifically the big sky conference who are the players that we expect to end up getting either their name called or being you know the most likely nfl uh, 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 draftees or NFL uh, free agents that are going to be in camps and perhaps have the best shot to make a team. We know, obviously, uh, Dante Olson making it uh, into the combine and putting up some great numbers in, one, on, in some things and some poor numbers in some other things, and how will that translate to his draft stock? Having pro days be canceled, guys like Kevin Cassis, like Bryce Sterk, you know, are, are uh, trying to find their way around in this whole thing as well. But there's a couple other guys around the conference, Jonah Williamson, Uh, out of Weber State comes to mind, several others as well, who certainly have aspirations and even possibilities of being in the NFL this coming season. So we'll get into that as well. So there you go. It's our show today. Uh, Hope you are all well. Coulter, how are you doing over there? You feeling it? Doing all right. Yeah. I mean, I I like cold and winter, snow, freezing, ice, all of that. Yes. Don't like rain. That's why why I never get over the Seattle thing. That's why we're going to argue about all things Seattle for all time. Because you, because you don't like the rain. That's right. So that's the whole the whole city is just, you know, it's their fault because they're in the Pacific Northwest and the clouds roll in there, and so that's on them. You can't be that expensive if you're that wet. Actually, you can be more expensive because it's harder to keep things dry. You have to have a, a slicker on now at all times, you know? It's additional fees for wet. I just don't believe in the umbrellas. I'll stay right here. I'm doing all right, guess. Here we are. Uh... I feel strange that the world has been told, or at least our world has been told, that we can start to reopen. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to lie, I don't really like it. I was really into what we were doing, but uh, I know I'm in the minority on that, so I'm uh, at least happy for all our fellow uh, local business owners, small businesses, and the like. Well, so, And at least tonight we have some uh, real-life sporting entertainment. That's right. We certainly do. We had the uh, we had the 2005 NFL draft on at the house today. You know, as we know, we've been working from home until about half an hour before this show, before we make our way this way. And my roommate, he's actually uh, not in work right now, just for a brief moment in time. And so he had the 2005 NFL draft on. And obviously, it's unfair to look at something like that retrospectively. When you know all the things that we know now. Of course. But it was also just hilarious listening to the pre-draft analysis on almost every reputable name in the draft. And it starts to make you think. Because I've watched the 1983 NFL draft, the 1989 NFL draft, the 1993 NFL draft, and the 2005 NFL draft over the last week or so. Just, you know, on in the background, not really watching it intently. But when you hear a name, you perk up, you look at what their evaluation is. 
their whole evaluation, the 2005 NFL draft, if you remember right, is the draft that Aaron Rodgers went and, and plummeted all the way to the ground. Right. And it's one of the most embarrassing green room 21st moments. 21st overall. It's one of the most embarrassing green room moments because you have this kid who is supposed to be the number one or at the worst number three pick overall, and he's just sitting there. And by the time it's all said and done, I don't think there was anyone else sitting in the room that had not yep. been drafted by the time he got drafted. Mm-hmm. But in, in it was a very uh, it was a precursor to what Aaron Rodgers became, though, because I thought in his interviews and the way he handled it, he came off as being smug, but also that it really bothered him. And I think that that's something that really drove him to become an all-time There's great. No question. No question. But the whole time he's sitting there, the analysts, particularly Mel Kuyper, is sitting there saying, we have gigantic questions about his arm strength. That's why this guy's not going. He doesn't have a big arm. <laughs> what What were you watching? What are we talking about here? He's got one of the greatest arms in the history of the league. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, here's the thing. I mean, this is, this is stupid to say, right? But it is a fact. Aaron Rodgers got better in the NFL. Right. Oh, totally. I mean, from the, oh, totally. from the three oh, years that he was sitting there waiting for his shot in Green Bay, he wasn't just hanging out. You know well, what no, I mean? No, no question. Well, when we've, I think that that's an underrated thing in pro sports. Right. right. I mean, we've been watching the Last Dance. Michael Jordan got way better in the NBA, he as did. we talked about earlier. I mean, he was, uh, Good I know, but there, I know, but. I know, but but I guess what I'm saying is Michael Jordan was never the best player in college basketball. Not one for one right. moment when he was playing in That's college. Right. That's right. And he was not the best player in the NBA the day he walked into the NBA either. He became the best player in the NBA within three years, though. Steph Curry is another great example. Steph Curry was a really good college player. For sure. The day he stepped into the NBA because of the way the games played, he got better. And then through hard work and the revitalization of his health, he went from a guy who could have been a pretty darn good player to an all-time great. That's right. You're you're, you're right, and so it does it does happen. Uh, by the way, I watched the 2017 draft, uh, and of course, this is the famous Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes draft. <laughs> now, here's the thing: like, that's the reaction that I wanted out of you because I think that's the reaction that everybody sort of gives. Like, uh-huh. okay. But here's the other thing about it. We always we hammer the Bears, and believe you and I, right, are two guys who are happy to hammer the Bears at any chance that we have to to, to do so in the in you know in the NFC North. But okay, it's one thing if you did the thing and you wanted to get a quarterback and you passed them to what were clearly the two best quarterbacks, and you got what was maybe not even the third best quarterback in the draft, the number two overall. But also the 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 Los Angeles Chargers. They take Mike Williams. Now, I know that they have Phillip Rivers. This is 27. This is three full years ago, okay? So they're happy with Phillip Rivers being their quarterback, and that's okay. But you know what's at the, you know, towards the tail end of things. Mike Williams has been, you know, okay. Been a decent wide receiver in the NFL. Not as good. I think it was sixth overall that they took him. And you go, my goodness, what would the Chargers be if they? The Chargers, that's what they'd be. Right, well. But they wouldn't be. I mean, you could say that about the Chiefs. Chiefs haven't won a Super Bowl in 50 years. Yeah, they also were like the seventh winningest franchise of the last decade, and I think that was a surprise to some people when we went through those numbers. I mean, they've been – I mean, Andy Reid is a winning coach. He he, he oh, wins yeah. everywhere he goes. But I guess all I'm saying is if you take Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes and you're the Chargers, mm-hmm. obviously there's a major upheaval, you know, in in – Charger land at that moment because Philip Rivers is the greatest player probably in the history of the organization outside of maybe Junior Seau. And, you know, beloved and all of that, the heart and soul and the whole thing, and I get all of that. And yet, there's first of all, it's not even 
You know, the, these last three years, he hasn't even been in the conversation in terms of the better quarterbacks in the league. And these two guys have been mm-hmm. two of the top five quarterbacks in the league. In the case of Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league. Is Watson up there? Is he in the top five at this point? He's in the top ten. I don't know if he's in the top five yet. Right now? We'll have to go through the list later. He's close. He's close. I think that it's just interesting. We always talk about is. the guys that didn't get drafted at the position, but there's plenty of other teams that went a whole different direction that still I mean, there's there's nine teams that passed on Patrick Mahomes. Okay? They and and whatever whoever they took, whatever they took that person, okay. But they that's ultimately the situation. You know what I mean? And you go, Wow, okay. All right. If you want to do it, yeah. Land oh, actually eleven. I think he went twelfth overall, right? I think he went 12th, and Deshaun Watson went 10th. Okay, anyhow, let's get into this draft that's starting today, Coulter. One thought that I had, yeah. and I think that my, I was talking to my brother, who is a retired Detroit Lions fan, but still secretly monitors the things that are going on with the Lions. And I think that there's a narrative out there that the teams that have been stuck, just stuck in mediocrity slash stuck in just bad, yeah. that yeah, Don't upgrade Detroit to mediocrity. That, that, that they're their front offices are bad and, the, and that they're mismanaged and all that stuff. And I totally agree with that, especially when it comes to teams like the Bengals and the Browns. Um, the Lions, I think, have way more of this just omnipresent monkey on their backs that is just the culture of what they've always been. Because when you actually look at who they have picked, particularly when it comes to defensive players in the first round over the last five or six years, they haven't really hit a bust. They pick good players. They just can never move the needle, and then part, and then it comes down to then how's the rest of the draft go, right? Because they seem to always have a top six or seven pick. It's pretty obvious who they should take usually, and they usually take that guy. Yeah, like tonight they have a chance to probably take the best corner in the draft. If they do that, they pair him with Darius Slay. You you have pieces. I mean, they have good players. They took that D tackle from Alabama last year. I mean, he's a really good player. They have good players on defense. They have pretty good players on offense. They just can't figure it out. So much of it has come down to quarterback, even though Matt Stafford's actually probably the best quarterback they've had in the modern generation or maybe the best quarterback ever, right? I mean, he's the best quarterback in Lions history. No, not close. Okay. Not See, close. Right. There's no modern generation. He's the best ever. Sure. So they have, But so much of it is just not being able to find any sort of balance. But also, more than anything, for them, it's. I think that some of the other franchises, they're in the same category as the Lions are stuck there because they suck. They just have bad players. The Lions don't as much. They just don't know how to win. But isn't that even a bigger indictment? Oh, it absolutely is. And I think that then it has to, you you point towards organizational culture from the very top down. And then it comes down to two, the coach. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Okay. It's two tell nuanas, 1029 ESPN radio. Colton, we wanted to get into some players in this draft that are going to be taken either today or probably tomorrow at the latest, uh, but that are not the quarterbacks, right? Not the ones garnering all of the attention uh, and, and talk about what we think about some of these players in general. So I got my list here of three guys that I'm, I'm taking a look at that I like a lot. And you got your list over there. So you go ahead and start us off. Who, 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 who do you got in your list? Well, I, I, I know that, a lot of the for the for the really downtrodden franchises, so much of this is just a quarterback hunt, right? How are we going to get our quarterback? How are we going to get our guy? And then after that, a lot of times it turns into how are we going to get stars? And for whatever reason, it's so hard for guys that are interior linemen, offensive or defensive, to rise to stardom 
Whether unless your name's Aaron Donald. Other than that, it's just really hard. But a lot of times those guys are the most important picks and the guys that you can really um, move the needle with internally, even if you don't with your fan base. I thought Ryan Rosillo made a great point on his most recent podcast. He said that the one thing that he thinks is the tie that binds between the NFL and the NBA when it comes to flawed decision-making in front offices is the moment you decide to start making decisions because of anybody that's other than personnel people in your organization. If you're listening to the marketing person or you're listening to the person that sells tickets, as soon as you start listening and draft guys based on quote-unquote popularity, star power, sometimes it's a it's a confluence of events that's perfect like Zion Williamson, right? Most of the time when you're trying to draft just based on who might quote-unquote sell tickets, it doesn't work you got, because guess what sells tickets? Winning sells tickets. Right. And so that's why I think sometimes teams make bad picks reaching for skill guys rather than taking linemen because they want to have this big splash. The dude who popped to me, because it was the very first college football game of the year that I watched, was Auburn, Oregon. I could not take my eyes off of Derrick Brown. You have this guy who is 6'5", 320 with almost no body fat, and he's wearing number five. And they're moving him up and down the line, and yep. you're like, who is this? And you know, living out west, we had heard all the legend of Oregon's offensive line. You know, Five guys are going to get drafted, three first-round picks, the best offensive lineman in the country in their left tackle, who ended up winning the Outland Trophy as a sophomore. And this dude is wrecking him. Derek Brown is all over the place. He's yep. wrecking shop against Oregon. So I fell in love with him right away. And I, I think there's no way I think he makes it out of the top 10. I would be surprised if he makes it out of the top five. And even though he's a interior defensive lineman, I think he'll be an absolutely impact player right away. They just he's one of those guys that they just they don't make guys like that really. Yeah. I mean he's just he's a perfect specimen. Um that's a good one. The wide receiver class in this draft is is a very very good one and a very deep one what hasn't been talked about a lot are the running backs and the running backs are sort yeah. of the, and I the wanna, lost boys of the offense I, right i want to come back around to the wide receivers too because well, we I, will i, I gotta, do think there's more good wide receivers but i think it, the way that the dominoes fall could make teams really start reaching or going right. away from their plans yep yep um and i have i have a wide receiver specifically on my list that that just about everybody will know who it is but i think is being overlooked a little bit nonetheless and i feel Maybe I don't feel that. This is more about the position group than the individual, but I want to highlight Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor has gone over 2,000 yards each of the last two seasons, and as a sophomore went 1977. In total, he is well over 6,000 yards the last three years combined, which is which is insane. And and this is not this is not just to correct you. He was a true junior, so that nineteen hundred yard season was actually his true freshman year. Okay, right? Because yeah, right. He's only coming out. He's coming out early. He's coming out early. Right. right. You're right. Absolutely. And, and that and that was the the decision point was because he would have absolutely certainly shattered the all time yardage record. That's right. Because he's already right there, and so. On one hand, if you're a college football fan, it's too bad because I think you know the kid has the production certainly to to, to deserve being the guy that holds that award that right. that uh, that title. Um, but on the other hand, sixty one hundred seventy four yards, six point seven yards well, per carry, and fifty touchdowns doesn't lie. And he's been over uh, thirty, uh, excuse me, over three hundred carries a year on average the last yeah. three years as well, and that really matters, obviously. It does. But I know that there's you know DeAndre Swift in, in Georgia. J.K. Dobbins, right, coming out of Ohio State. Uh, Edwards Alaire from LSU. Those are all really talented guys. None of them have the numbers. I will say, they all come from much better passing situations than what you got in Wisconsin. So, like, grain of salt. And you t- if you talk about the per, you know, 
uh, uh, per rush average and that kind of thing. I mean, they're all they're all great. But I think Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in this class. He also added an element. He really didn't catch any balls out of the backfield his freshman and, and sophomore year. This past season, 26 catches, which doesn't sound a lot. How about 252 yards and five scores? He had 31 touchdowns this year. 31 house calls. It's amazing. I mean, we're talking like 12 games, 11, 12 games, and you go to the house 31 times. That is, I mean, that's the point of this thing. And he is, uh, uh, he's a stud. He's a complete stud. And I don't know where he's going to go. Mel Kuyper has him going in the last pick of the first round to hello, Kansas City. How would you like to see Jonathan uh, Taylor at, with the Kansas City Chiefs in that offense. I mean, give me that all day. Didn't they? Move, didn't the Chiefs move up to get the 16th pick too? Because they've been in the mix for a couple of the other running backs as well. Uh, I don't know if they. I mean, if they've moved, they don't move already, do they? I mean, they're going to announce that at the time. It wouldn't be unless they made a trade somewhere along the line to get I, I that just remember going hearing into this that thing. They had a, the 16th pick as well. Well, we'll have to. Uh, but I think that th- that exact scenario though is what's so interesting to me about the NFL draft is that. When you talk about this, it seems like it's just roundly agreed upon positional value. Here's the only positions we can take in the top ten or the top twelve. You know, like you would just unless it's unless it's an you know an Adrian Peterson. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott went number four. Sure, sure, sure. But I mean. You got to make sure that the dude you're taking is going to be one of the five best running backs in the NFL the day he steps on your right. roster. Yep. If yep. you're going to take him in the top ten, Jonathan Taylor will be probably a starter in the NFL. I, I think I think he'll actually well, like, absolutely be a starter in the NFL well, day one. Well, oh yeah, no no no, absolutely. But I don't think I think he'll be you know he could be like a top twenty five, top twenty back. He'll be good, but he's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Ezekiel Elliott. Man, he's going to be better. He, no, he is not Christian McCaffrey or Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, totally agreed. He's better than the top twenty back. I mean, I think he's a top ten back in the NFL. I agree, but you can't. But and and if you value that, you could take him. But because of just the 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 league wide pressure to maintain the order of positional value, at least for the first twelve to fourteen picks of the draft, then all of a sudden you see the top quarterbacks, the top offensive tackles, the top edge guys, the top interior defensive linemen, yep. and maybe one running back or receiver sneak in there. But other than that, it's almost always like this. But because of that, then the best players at non-valued positions fall to the second half of the first round, and so the best teams get the best dudes. And this is how the Ravens have gotten right. so stacked. The Ravens have not picked in the top 15 in years, but they get the best inside linebacker in the draft in C.J. Yeah, Mosley. Yeah, you know, yeah. they, get, they get the best safety in the draft. They get the second-best corner or – you know, the second best edge guy, and they can just stack, stack, stack. I don't it's think just, they're going to get Isaiah Simmons. I will say that. No, but I mean, I mean, but I mean, <laughs> I mean but, but your point is taken. What you're saying, like if, if Jonathan Taylor is the first or second running back taken, there's a legitimate chance that the Chiefs are going to get the first or second best running That's back right. in the draft, and he will, when stepping into that offense, be absolutely dynamite, and the situation will make him seem even better than he was. Exactly. You're absolutely. That's true. It's so true. Uh, all right, Coulter, give me a second guy. Well, this guy is is uh, absolutely one of my favorite guys that I have had the chance to read about and follow. Bruce Feldman has, uh, for the, for a long time, Bruce Feldman's been all over the place. You know, he went from um, CBS Sports to now he's at The Athletic. He was at Sports Illustrated sure. for a while. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. like no, the main college football he's, he's guy. Bruce Feldman's dead heart in the center of uh, college football. For guys that love just freakish athleticism and just like studying that kind of stuff, weightlifting and stuff like that, Bruce Feldman's biggest freaks of college football is like 
you anticipate it until it drops every year. Yeah. The only guy in the history, I think Feldman's been doing it for like 14 or 15 years, the only dude who was ever number one twice was Trey Wirfs, the mm. offensive tackle from Iowa. I currently, on my computer, am watching a video of this kid hang clean 450 pounds, not once, not twice, not three times, four times. I bet you there is not another person that plays football in the country right now that can, that can power clean or hang clean 450 pounds. Not one. He did it four times. I mean, the guy's 6'5", 340, and he ran a sub-five-second 40. He's got a 36-inch vertical. He's absolutely one of the biggest freaks that he, the league has ever seen. He's a top-five guy in this draft, right? I mean, I think I think Kuyper's got him going to the Giants. And, and that's what's so interesting also when you talk about the quarterbacks because there's this narrative that you have to have this elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It has been true, but it's also been proven that it doesn't, it doesn't have to be true either, right? But I just think that there's a 50-50 shot that every first-round draft pick as a quarterback is going to bust. Rosillo broke down every first-round quarterback draft from the from 1980 till now, and it's exactly 50%. Mm-hmm. Guys that are true busts, guys that are, and then the other 50% are okay all the way up to all-time great. Right. But it's a half chance that you're going to be bad. Right. Unless Trey Wirfs gets hit by a bus, which the bus <laughs> might not even make it. <laughs> I don't think that he could be a bust. Right. I really don't think that he could be a bust. I think he's going to be at the bare minimum a 10-year starter of the league, and if he maximizes it, he'll be an all-pro for 10 years. Yeah, um, It's a good one. Mine, I want to get back into the wide receiver side of this thing. CeeDee Lamb, right? Jerry Judy. Henry Ruggs with that gaudy 40 that he ran. Justin Jefferson, productivity out of LSU. Those are the maybe the top four guys, and it's not exactly uh, uh, set but I love T. Higgins, man. T. Higgins out of out of Clemson. He six four two fifteen. He's when, when are we gonna? So I, I know that it's sort of a narrative, but when are we gonna start talking about Clemson on the same plane as Alabama? Because um, there's always like this ha ha. Two years ago, I know, but there's always like this ha ha joke, like, "Oh, you started at Alabama, cool. You're gonna be a first round pick." Clemson's the exact same over the last three or four years. They're they're better than Alabama. They're better than Alabama. Hmm. Mm. They're better defensively. They're better. They don't, they're not not with the offensive line and running backs. Not yet. They're a better football team than the Alabama Crimson Tide. Like it just as a program right as now. As a program, last five years, and that includes who they're pumping out in the league. I mean, here's what's amazing. T. Higgins, I love. I want to highlight six four two fifteen, thirteen touchdowns, over eleven hundred yards this last season. Everything like that. He's not even the best wide receiver on his own team, and his, the other guy. You can't go yet, right? Is it ready, right? Justin Ross sitting there. He's like yeah, see, 13 that, years old, just snagging the ball. So and that's not, the not, guy everybody's waiting on, right? See, Justin Ross and, and Trevor Lawrence. And we talk about, about We it. talk about the guys who are maybe positions that aren't, quote-unquote, of premier value, but then you can just completely buck that notion and climb your way in the top ten. That guy's going to climb his way in the top ten. Oh, that, I mean, that guy might go number three. Justin I mean, Ross is 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 done deal. A done deal. Like if he could come out now, he would be he would be the number one wide receiver in this draft. This is my, of, of wide receiver. Yeah, right? This is crazy. my whole this is my whole analysis on guys like Tua Tonga Vailoa. Uh, so often when you see guys so much and then they've had adversity or they've had injuries, you just learn how to break them. You, you learn how to break down what you think of them. Like truly yeah. degrade their reputation in your head. Oftentimes, I like to hearken back to what you saw first. The first time you ever saw Tua, you said, what, what is that? How is this happening? Same yeah. with that kid. The first yeah. time I ever said to myself, oh, that kid's top 10 pick. No yeah. question. It doesn't matter. That guy, <laughs> that dude right there is going to be a top 10 pick whenever yeah. he is ready. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think, look, I mean, all these wide receivers are great, but T. Higgins has, to me, the most 
Uh, well, C.D. Lamb has been doing a long time too for Oklahoma. So he he's 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 but the productivity in terms of the duration and the three years that he's been uh, great for for Clemson, uh, it speaks for itself. And and I really like T. Higgins. Whatever team gets him is going to be very happy. Obviously, that is not to say anything bad about Judy or Ruggs or anybody else that's going to go at that position. Colter, we got we don't have much time because we have Kevin Cassis coming in. I'll just quickly say I did get on the defensive side of the ball. Jalen Johnson, cornerback out of Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good. Basically, give me any Ute defensively, and I'm going to be pretty happy about it. But and, and, the and, speed and, we, and the size, and he's 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 going to be a, a very good corner. Particularly when it comes to offensive skill players, we always analyze and a lot of times overanalyze how they'll transition to quote unquote pro style offenses. Yeah. That's becoming less and less important because there's so many spread elements in the NFL. The pro style is revert is turning into college football. In exactly. But the narrative though around the game hardly ever talks about transitioning from college style defenses, which are distinctly different because everybody plays field and boundary, to transitioning to NFL style defenses where it's just one eleventh basically. Yeah. Utah's defense is more pro style than almost anybody in college football. That's why I think that that kid, those guys can come. Uh, in. Those guys can come in yeah. and be impact players right yeah. away. My, my last guy, one. my last guy is Isaiah Simmons. I mean, it's that's not some su- surprise or shock. I I was trying to think of who I th- wanted to compare him to. I don't have a comp for him if he comes in the league and plays linebacker or off the edge. He played like 200 snaps last year as a like quote unquote nickel. But this is what I'm talking about with college football. So many teams run big nickel now, yeah. and they put their fast outside linebacker there. Because then they don't have to substitute. He can play on first down. He can play on third down. But in terms of a guy who just blew up the combine but had huge boom or bust potential, Taylor Mays was the first guy that came to mm. mind. Taylor Mays had one of the great combines in Absolutely. the history of, of of the combine. And then for whatever reason, I mean, Bill Simmons always talks about, were you before your time or were you too late or were you after your time, right? Taylor Mays just came too early. If Taylor Mays was coming out right now, teams would just play him as a linebacker. They wouldn't mess around with him as a safety. They'd play him like like the Ravens do with Patrick on Wasser. It was such an interesting deal because that was the year Taylor Mays had to use USC, was going into the NFL. That was the exact same time that Pete Carroll took the job at Seattle. Yep. And Seattle needed to have a safety in the worst way, and everybody was talking about, well, is it just going to become USC North, and is, is Pete Carroll going <laughs> to be... At that time, that would have been good, though. Well, in certain ways, but it's like, is he going to be beholden to you know all these guys, White, the running back, and, and so on and so forth? And at 12, everybody thought Taylor Mays, no doubt, or best, and they went with Earl Thomas, and that kind of worked out for the Seahawks uh, at that spot. Uh, how, By the way, how much does Isaiah Simmons weigh? He was 6'4", 238 at the combine. Because okay. here in a the, cool four three nine, the the size and the speed is just incomprehensible. He is, and this is a, this is not a bad thing, but for as big as he is, he's slender. He is sl- he looks like a sprinter. He looks like Usain Bolt is what he looks like. He's got skinny ankles. I mean, I don't know if his ankles are skinny. That's, he is slender. It, I mean, it's like our our boy Keenan Curran used to always say, I can tell exactly what kind of athlete you are just by looking at your ankles and your calves. Is that right? Well, he's got skinny ankles, which means you're a really I, fast runner, but it's also pants. a different kind of athlete. Um, all right, very good. Can't wait. Draft starting 6 o'clock. We will have it for you here on ESPN Radio. Speaking of the draft, Kevin Cassis, wide receiver for the Montana State Bobcats. He has professional football aspirations. He's going to join us live right after this. 
At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years And the slow parade of fears without crying Now I want to understand I have done all that I could To see the evil and the well, We're an hour and a half from the start of the NFL draft, but... The NFL draft is only the beginning for a large group of professional football hopefuls, one of whom joins us now. It's Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television across the state. Great to be with all of you. Thanks for letting us be there. If you want to follow us on the social medias, you can, at Gus Tutel, at 102.9 ESPN, and at Skyline Sports MT on Twitter. Check it out. Enjoy all that. We go now, though. To the Rankage Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in former wide receiver, the Montana State Bobcats, and guy who's preparing for this weekend, has been for quite a while, Kevin Cassis on the line. Kevin, thanks so much for being with us, man. How are you doing? Kevin, do we have you there? Yep, can you guys hear me? There, there we go. go. Two for two, we got him. Kevin, how are you, man? Wait. You doing okay? Hey, I'm doing good. How about you guys? Well, we're doing great. This has got to be uh, exciting, and if your name was called today, that would be phenomenal, although I think the expectation is that it might happen a little later than that. But nonetheless, what's it like here to be on the day, the start of the NFL draft, and something that you have been preparing for, training for, and and, and trying to find a way to get into the league? This has got to be just a moment of great anticipation for you, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, my time at MSU went quick, and um, you know, I'm thankful to, you know, potentially have the opportunity to keep playing and, you know, that's all you can ask for and, you know, prepare yourself and, um, and just be ready for, you know, when you get the call or, uh, whenever the opportunity comes its way. Kevin, hey, Coulter Nuanas, thanks so much for being with us. And when you talk about preparing yourself, you're a guy that prepared yourself better than almost any guy I've ever covered from the moment you walked onto campus till right now. So take us through the journey. I mean, you come to Montana State on a partial scholarship and you end up as a captain and a great player on a team that makes a deep playoff run. And now here you are, you set yourself up for this opportunity. So what, at what point did you realize how important preparation and just taking care of yourself like you have? How, at what point did you realize that was important? Yeah, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I think preparation is something that I really take great pride in. And, you know, I always have this little saying, you prepare to separate. So, um, you know, something that I bought into early on in my career. And I think it even started back in high school. Um, definitely was not the biggest guy in high school or even coming to Montana State. So, you know, um, you have to either prepare, you know, in the film room, uh, get your body right, try to stay healthy and whatnot. So um, doing by doing those things, I think, like I said, you can separate yourself and um, try to maximize um, your time playing on the field. You know, Kevin, it's interesting to me. You're you're a wide receiver and a tremendous athlete, and the numbers bear out. You know, professional 
uh, levels of, of, of skill on the athletic side of things. But you play college football for a team that runs, I believe it was the quintuple option that uh, <laughs> Montana State had uh, for the years that you were there. And you actually took, and, and really productive this senior year, even in the, in the receiving game as well. But when you go through and you're you know trying to get your name in front of scouts or going through an agent and things like that, what do you tell them about what you do and what you are at your position when you don't come from a prolific passing style offense like some guys certainly are? Yeah, no, totally. Um, well, I think they like the fact, uh, you know, that you can run block and stuff and um, something that I've, I took great pride in, in uh, you know, trying to get better at blocking, especially trying to develop physically throughout my time um, at Montana State. But, uh, you know, you just kind of have to maximize those opportunities that come your way and, um, you know, I think there are some games where, uh, you know, if you're getting, <laughs> you're getting a couple targets a game, you better go up and make sure you come down with them. So, uh, you know, I think I, you know, through my time at Montana state, you uh, <laughs> always have to be ready for your opportunity. You know, you never know when it's coming and Uh, you know, you got guys like Troy Anderson who, um, you don't mind blocking for cause, uh, <laughs> he can take the game over and, and guys like Isaiah too, who, um, you know, really good running backs my time being there so yeah it's uh it's one of those things where i think teams understand that you know the system that you come from and i think if you you know you can show that you can not only uh, make plays down the field but also during the run game i think that's that's important as well kevin gas is joining us former uh, montana state bobcat getting ready for uh, the nfl draft and beyond as uh, he's looking to make his way into professional football and kevin i want to ask you a little bit more on on the blocking side because a lot of people go yeah okay yeah blocking is what you do when it's a run play or something like that and how you know run into the cornerback and push him you know what you know what's the big deal <laughs> so talk, tell us a little bit though about some of the nuance of both learning how to do it and learning how to like doing it as a wide receiver yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think you'll never really like it, but right. <laughs> but uh, like doing a show with me on the radio, ask Coulter. It's like it's a very acquired taste. Yeah, it's just like you know, it's taking your vitamins and doing the things you don't like to do, lifting weights, and you know, um, you know, you just got to muscle through it and and uh, you know, do the things for your teammates so that they can you know separate and make big runs. But yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of different. It's kind of like you're playing basketball, um, like defensively. You can't go in there and you know, throw your whole body into them. You kind of have to, like, shuffle your feet and, and stay in front of them because you can be out there blocking for, you know, five to six seconds. And if you, um, you know, if you come out and try to really knock a guy over or whatnot, you know, they can, um, you know, get around you and stuff. So you kind of have to shuffle your feet and, and stay in front of them like you're playing basketball. Take us through these last three months. So you guys go to the semifinals of the playoffs and then – it transitions, and then all of a sudden you're on your own, training and doing all that sort of stuff. So where have you spent the last couple months? Who helped you get prepared for uh, this opportunity? And what was this the daily life like when you're training to, to potentially become a professional football player? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's weird not being um, – you know, I came back to California. Uh, um, I have a you know, couple buddies from back home. My, my quarterback who I played high school football with, um, Ian Boku, who plays at Notre Dame, so – Got my car packed up, got a, and made the drive to Sacramento, and you know worked out with him for for about a week or two, and um, just, you know it's kind of weird because the transition from all you're trying to do is run the fastest you can, jump the highest you can. Now it's, you're kind of transitioning into okay, I kind of got to get back to you know training to be a football player. You know I was kind of training like a track athlete for you know the past couple of months, so making that transition. So that was something I wanted to do. Um, you know start running routes again, catching the ball, and then. Uh, my family's based out of San Diego, California, so came down here 
and you know just been working out of the garage luckily i have a my older sister's a um a crossfitter so she kicks my button um so we've i've been working out with her it's just you know trying to do whatever i can to stay ready and it's in this kind of weird time well these next couple of days will be very interesting for you and several of your former teammates and a lot of your former opponents as well i mean probably a dozen or more big sky guys that have real aspirations of at least getting a call on saturday afternoon or evening how about going through it with the group of guys you went through it with and having guys like mitch brott and bryce Sturk and, and Braden conkle now kind of knocking on the door of similar opportunities I mean, having that collective sort of championship mindset as a team and as a, for for your individual selves, how much did that motivate you over the last several years? Yeah, no, totally. And actually, um, I trained with with Mitch and Logan during this uh, this past time, this past couple of months, getting ready for you know our um, our pro day. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 a cool. It's it's been a lot of fun being able to work with all those guys and seeing their 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 progress throughout this time and also just, you know, just playing with them throughout these, these past couple of years. And, you know, I'm really excited for those guys as well. And uh, I'm sure a lot of those guys will, will get to get some phone calls and hopefully they can maximize those opportunities as well. Former Montana statewide receiver Kevin Cassis joining us. The NFL draft happening over the next three days and then free agency uh, obviously ensuing after that. We'll see uh, what the future holds in store. But when you talk about getting ready and, and also being in touch with teams. You know, there's no pro day, and sometimes you get the exposure, but also not just the exposure of what you can do athletically, but maybe talking to scouts, interviews, and that kind of stuff. What's it been? What has your contact been like with teams in the league through an agent or, or directly? And, and and what sort of interest do you feel like you've had over the past couple of months getting ready for this? Yeah, no, totally. It, you know, it's kind of weird. You just, um, you know, you just start getting calls from, you know, phone numbers you're not you've, you've never seen before. So I never answer those ones. Are... That's the collection, folks. I don't go there. I just say that's oh, to, to the voicemail. I know, which is it's kind of one of those. It's kind of weird. It's like, oh shoot, could this be a is this, is this a team calling that you answer and it's a <laughs> another telemarketer? So, <laughs> uh, you kind of fight that. You kind of fight that battle. You the get no whammies excited. game, right? So I'm like, so yeah, that's kind of that's got me a few times. But yeah, so you'll get some. I've got a few calls and stuff and, you know, there's asking if I'm healthy and, you know, how this process has been, um, you know, staying ready for, um, you know, the opportunity that comes my way. And uh, I think they've been pretty curious about, you know, how I've been staying ready to, you know, during this time. And uh, I mean, um, I think a lot of us are on the same boat. A lot of these places aren't open. So we kind of have to make do with, um, with the things we've gotten, you know, make the most of it. Give us your expert analysis. Which quarterback would you take out of Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, or Joe Burrow? Yeah, I think Burrow's a no-brainer. Um, I do like Tua a lot too, and I think uh, you know Justin's um, is going to be a good player as well. Uh, I think something that with Justin, I know that people have been you know have some you know criticisms of Justin and whatnot, but I don't think they realize how smart of a guy he is. You know, I played with Mitch, and uh, Mitch is a super smart guy, four and I think people don't realize that, you know, those Herberts are, are pretty smart guys. And um, not only are they smart in the classroom, but I think that can translate over onto the field. So I think it's going to be a really interesting um, draft. And I think this first round is going to be, you know, really fun to watch. I think a lot of teams are, um, there's going to be some moves that people aren't expecting. But, you know, I wouldn't, I'd be really surprised if those three guys don't go come off early. 
What's your setup for this weekend? I mean, I'm sure you're at your house and that kind of thing, but are you are you doing a, like a nacho platter or is it a vegetable tray? And then, then the phone's like, is it constantly plugged in so it's always at 100%? You know, you don't want to drop below like even 80 and risk anything like that. Like, how does that go? Yeah, so it's probably a veggie plate. Gonna, it's of gonna course be it realistic. is. What a I got... dope I am to ask Kevin Cass if he's going to have a nacho. Of course not. Sister's doing CrossFit. He's out here ripping off sets of ten between the commercial breaks. I know. I get you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got I got two sisters, and um, you know they're they're pretty healthy. I, I've actually, you know, I just got back from In and Out, so um, if it was me, I would definitely have a nacho plate. But there uh, you go. But they'll. Uh, but I'm. But it's it's tough to find some unhealthy food around around the house. So so I'm I'm guessing it'll be a veggie plate. <laughs> Will you watch the draft start to finish, or what's your process going to be like? Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch these next couple of days, and um, you know, stay tuned. And then, you know, Saturday's the day that's probably more. It's definitely more realistic, and um, yeah, exactly. Keep the phone charged, and and hopefully, no telemarketers are calling during that time. You know, there's there's a sense in which you know if your name is called on on Saturday or you know after the draft is over and you you know you get a maybe a couple of teams of interest and you can you know make a make a selection or something like that that that's phenomenal and you're going to be just truly excited about that. But will you also track the wide receivers? I know guys like to you know grind the axe about how many guys were taken ahead of them at their position and that kind of thing. Is that something that you'll you'll pay attention to and think about in that regard? You know, I think so. And I think I'm always going to, you know, I've always kind of been that guy where, you know, I like to outwork people. And, um, I mean, I'm going to be happy for a lot of those guys too. I know a lot of guys have worked hard and, you know, I'm not going to be bitter or anything along those lines, but, um, yeah, no, it, it's crazy too. This is such a deep receiver draft. There's a ton of, there's a ton of talent across the board. So, um, even the guys who are going in the first round are pretty phenomenal with Judy and, and lamb and, you know, even the, there are some FCS guys who, are really good as well. So, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, this is a super deep draft, I guess, you know, kind of hurts, kind of hurts me in a way, but you know, at the same time, it's, I think there's still going to be some opportunity and, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's a blessing to be able to even, um, even be considered. Well, Kevin, I'll tell you what, we, we certainly appreciate it. We enjoyed very much your time watching you play uh, at Montana State and, and look forward to seeing how things go for you this weekend. Wish you absolutely the best as we go, all right? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. Kevin Cassis, former Montana State wide receiver, looking forward to perhaps a Saturday phone call. Well, certainly a Saturday phone call, perhaps during the draft, perhaps after the draft. Uh, but uh, uh, a kid who's uh, definitely not going to be outworked, out-eaten in the best sense of the words. Uh, I mean, and, when he came to Montana State, he's about 170 pounds. Yeah. If you saw him last year, I mean, he played the Cat Grizz game about 208. And he's one of those guys where most guys say, oh, I'm 205, I'm 210. Now, Kevin Cassis wants to be 208 because he's 208. He knows exactly how much he weighs, and that's intentional. He put in more work into his body than any guy I've seen at that program in the last five years, maybe in the 10 years I've covered him. The, the thing... You know, I don't know how many people have seen Kevin, you know, up close, you know, in, in you know, T-shirt or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, you go, OK, well, as a Montana statewide receiver, you took a look at the system, you look at, you know, whatever. And you go, well, I mean, you know, OK, everybody wants to go to the NFL, but what's the, 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 re, the reality of this? Now, I don't know what the reality of it is, but I do know this. 
You're not going to pick him out of a lineup as being, oh, the FCS upstart guy totally. when you line him up against all the wide receivers that are going to be here. I mean, he's he's as certainly big and bigger, frankly, in terms of girth, mass, than most of these guys, but in just... Especially I mean, for a guy that's probably going to play a slot. Impeccable. Impeccable shape. Oh, he's... I mean, he's so much bigger than a Wes Welker you know, or a Julian Edelman. Yeah, I mean, he's just... this. I mean, he's... He's he's uh, he's ready to roll on that end of things. You no want doubt. you want to know who he reminds me of? He's he he's even more athletic than this guy, but he reminds me of this guy. Same sort of physic, mm-hmm. physical makeup and background. He's Chris Horn, who played at Rocky Mountain College and then went on to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, the New Orleans Saints, the Carolina Panthers. He was one of our Chris Horn was one of our inaugural inductees in the Montana Football Hall of Fame. What a story! You know, undrafted out of an NAIA school, not even a powerhouse NAIA school at right. that. And then went on to play in the NFL for six, seven years. Um, I think Cassis is a fringe NFL guy. I think Cassis could make a lot of money playing in Canada. Mm-hmm. I think that his his short area quickness, his burst, the fact that he can play inside and outside, that's another thing that might be really appealing. He's built like a slot because he's not, I mean, he's only about 5'11", 6 feet tall. So I think people think slot. But he actually played the outside spot of Montana State's mm-hmm. offense for a great deal of the last two years. I thought his comment there was so apt. I knew I was only going to get a couple chances a game, so I better catch it. Right. But that's how you come up and finish in the top three or four in school history and catches, even though you played your whole career for a team that doesn't throw the ball. Well, and the thing is, too, is there's just – look, we understand all these guys are working their tails off, okay? Nobody sure. nobody that's in – that's preparing to be drafted, basically, is, is, not, is not working and working really hard. But also – Henry Ruggs has only ever been the fastest guy that he's right. that's ever you know right. that on any team that he's ever played. And there's something to be said for having to actually work to attain to to some certain level, where as opposed to working because that's what you do to play football. It's a thing you know. It's a thing that's part and parcel to it. And not to say Henry Ruggs isn't working just as hard as everybody else. Certainly, you know, you, you assume that he is. But it's a different thing when you got to transform yourself into something that way. In, in certain ways, I mean, there's obviously plenty of natural talent for a guy like Kevin Cassis as well, but the the way that it comes for some ain't the way that it comes for everybody. And then when you go head-to-head, can you can you maximize that? I like to outwork people, he says. I believe that. And that's why I asked him about the, the long-term process of this. Yeah. Because no matter how freaky of an athlete you are, no matter how much you put your nose to the grindstone for a 12- to 16-week program to prepare for the draft – I don't think Kevin Cass has probably trained any harder over the last 16 weeks than he has over the last four Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. That's the process, though. Mm -hmm. He trained as hard as you can train for four years. The amount of progress you can make like that, that's, I mean, to me, the reason I would give him a shot, whether I was an NFL or a CFL team, is because he's already a pro. Right. He's a professional. He knows how to live the life of a professional. Mm -hmm. He's lived the same day every day in terms of his eating and his training and that is something that's so hard to capture. We talk about these young guys getting all this money, not being able to handle a lifestyle. To me, it's more about being able to cook yourself five nutritious meals a day as opposed to going to the club every night, right? Like well, that, he did just go to In and Out. So I mean <laughs> But the thing is like when past you, judgment. I mean, when you train like him, I mean, that thing's metabolized in an hour, right? I no mean, he, he could eat in and out every day. He probably eats four other meals every day too, and he's still shredded because that's what happens when you're actually dedicated to it. That's but right. I, I just think that the kid, in terms of the football IQ he brings, the c- consistent, constant, and amazing progress that he's made over the last four years, and the fact that he's already a pro, that's why I, I'd give him a shot. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Quick break on the other side. 
couple of minutes with our dear friend Tommy next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Go, Tommy! Bro? Sorry. Is this Pantera? We'll find out soon uh, enough. This is Elder. This is. Ooh, Elder's good. Two Telling Nuwanis, 1029 ESPN Radio. We are uh, already past time for the segment that we're currently in, but we wanted to give Tommy an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you only got a few days left of this glorious freedom. So to meander about the cabin. I mean, screw the clock, Tommy. Sure. Let's roll. I'm so pissed about your clock. <laughs> <laughs> we're already over. We're already over the clock. You want us to go to another break and tell your story? Absolutely not. No, that's not. Tommy, what are what do you got for us? I know you've been excited about this. What's going on over there? Hanging out. Got some phones working. Got the boards working. I don't know. What are you referencing? It's 2 Till New Ones, 1029 ESPN Radio. You realize they're starting the draft coverage right now, Coulter, on the uh well, yeah, at I the mean, uh at the top of this hour right now. It's a whole lot of build up for not a lot of payoff. A lot like this segment, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I'm at a loss for where your excitement came from. It's just the it's just you know how it is that Shania Twain and Alexa are the same thing in your world and the absolutely befuddlement that I was experiencing now that's been shifted to you. Let me ask you this. You're referencing this freedom that we have? Yeah. Okay, no. What are you guys getting at? I'm, no, I'm missing something. No, here. not freedom. Not, well, well, so, I, I should clarify there, this. There's, not there's freedom societal, out there. There's societal pressure to do all these things that if you don't really like socializing are strong and detrimental. I'm, I was just speaking about this show, the freedom that we have to roam around on this show right now. Well, that's going to last not, until August 1 because we're almost entering what would have been the the uh, slow season, and we've already blown all our segments that we were going to do this summer. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. We got so much more in the offer for everybody. It's going to be it is going to be glorious. I mean, it's already been. I mean, you know what's the funniest part is the number one thing that people talk to me about when referencing our show in this community, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or face-to-face or via the text messages, is all the stupid stuff we say about music. No one's ever like, man, you're so wrong about your sports takes. Nope, they're always like, "That's because I can't believe believe you guys talked about Shania Twain for 10 minutes the other day. Well, you know. Number one question I've gotten over the last three weeks, Tommy, is why does Tommy think Shania Twain is Alexa and or vice versa? You got this. <laughs> it is absolutely confusing. <laughs> absolutely. That's the most justifiable question of the, in the history of this show about this show. <laughs> that and the time that Tucker was insistent that microwaving food robbed it of its nutritional value. That's that is true. true. It is not true. That is absolutely true. Hour one in the books. 
<laughs> hour two straight ahead. With Tommy in hour two, for the record, because now I'm fired up. Kent Haslam, Mike Petrino, continuing conversation about the Montana Lady Grizz with sound from the press conference yesterday next. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.